everyone, welcome back to the Echelon Podcast, where you either get it or maybe you don't. I'm your host, Adam Zimmerman, coming to you from the great state of Colorado. Questions or comments about the show, get in touch at the Echelon Podcast at gmail.com. I'm super stoked today. This is kind of uh, new for me. Um, I have a new co-host coming on with me to chat with people. James McCabe, welcome to the show. Adam, thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm stoked to be the your second co-host now, right? Chris Smith did it first originally for a while. Yeah, man. Boston Chris, uh, Chris came on with me for a while, and um, I think kind of life and kids and stuff got on the way, so I need to find a, uh, a dude without kids, so good job, man. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's what I get for being 28. So, uh, on to the show. Yeah, you know, um, before before we actually get into our guest, and I know he's eagerly waiting to talk, um, in like 60 seconds, man, give me, give me a rundown on a little bit about you. You know, I want to know, um, how'd you get into the sport, and how, how long have you been racing? Yeah, so I got into the sport when I was maybe, ooh, geez, eight or 10. My parents, I, we grew up in this house in uh, Bridgewater, New Jersey, and we had this great uh, forest in the backyard. And I would just find myself after school going back there with a couple of my friends taking shovels and rakes and just making different trails um, in the woods. At the time, we were doing jumps on these kind of pretty junky Toys R Us bikes, but we didn't care, right? We're going off of them and mom's yelling at me for ripping up the grass. But I'm telling you, Adam, those days where we would just ride like after school for like two, three hours, um, that was the best times ever. And that's how I really got into cycling. Um, I got, yeah, my dad got me really into it. And we're at EMS, Eastern Mountain Sports. For those of you on the East Coast, you know that brand quite well there was a sign for a duathlon in there at Round Valley Reservoir. And you've talked about Round Valley because I think you lived around there for a period of time when you were in Jersey. Yeah, dude, I loved Round Valley. Um, yeah. You couldn't camp overnight with dogs there, which was kind of ridiculous. But um, I loved going there. I loved the little hill you could overlook on the lake. It was, it was an unbelievable place. Awesome. They also had pretty intense mountain biking. But my first time, uh, my first race ever was when I was 12. And it was a two-mile run off-road. 13 mile bike and a two mile run all around Round Valley. And that sounds you, brutal. <laughs> it was extremely brutal. And I didn't know what I was getting myself into, but um, had a lot of fun. But I used that time to just basically figure out if I liked the sport. And someone on the uh, Cola Vita junior development team at the time was like, hey, you're kind of quick, but you don't know what you were doing. Um, why don't you come join the Cola Vita U19 team for a while? And that was my junior cycling career. Uh, that carried me all the way pretty much through high school, then went to uh, Wake Forest University, started a cycling club there, and got a job in Colorado and met up with you, and here I am. Yeah, so that was more like 90 seconds, but I'll give you, uh, give you the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. And I'm, I'm sure in another podcast, we're going to get into um, more about who you are, and we'll uh, chit-chat some more. So um, let's get on to the show. Um, stoked again, have an awesome guest with me, uh, Scott Piercefield. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys for having me. I'm I'm stoked to be uh, the first to take part of this three way. <laughs> oh man, I'm not editing this part out. By the way, um, that was an awesome intro. Yes, um, glad to have you, man. Um, we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff, some crazy racing that you do, um, and I'm not gonna even spoil it for our guests yet. But um, for our listeners out there. Uh, give us a little like kind of history, man, on um, who you are, where'd you grow up, and how did you get into the sport of cycling? Uh, so I was born and raised in Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, I skateboarded all through my youth, 
basically <clears throat> from elementary school through college, uh, super into uh, backyard pools, half pipes, anything with transition and flow. I was kind of, I was basically the guy in the, like the, uh, the stunts in uh, the Sum 41 music videos. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, dude, of course I know what you're talking about. Um, I grew up like Blink-182 playing Tony Hawk on Sega Genesis, dude. That was my thing. <laughs> yeah, man. No, so I, I was I was that guy that was just, uh, wasn't quite necessarily a punk rocker, but I was just, I was super into like backyard pools and just the full, uh, the full concrete wave vibe. And I did that for, for about 15 years. And I'm a super energetic person, so I really needed something that uh, – would would help me release energy and that's exactly what skateboarding did for me so it was it was a huge passion in my life uh, <clears throat> however as you can imagine as you as you start to age that kind of impact has a significant uh kind of pain on your body and my my knees my hips my back everything just started kind of breaking down in my 20s my early 20s and by the time i was a sophomore in college i I couldn't even go to bed at night without my knees popping out. I couldn't, I couldn't even dare think about like sitting cross-legged just because I had completely torn, uh, you know, my meniscus, uh, the cartilage was, was definitely absent in my knees. Uh, and so I, I went to see a surgeon. I got the images taken. Uh, the doctor pretty much told me you cannot skateboard anymore and you're going to need surgery. So I took the first you know piece of his advice, uh, but I was, in, I was in college at the time, so skateboarding was how I got to and from class. Uh, I had a few friends that were kind of in the fixed gear scene at the time. So I thought, you know, maybe maybe I'll get into fixed gears. You know, that's that's exactly what, what your knees need to uh, kind of rebound from skateboarding. Uh, that's definitely sarcasm, too. But it, it ended <laughs> up being, like, surprisingly good physical therapy. Uh, I So I, I, I kind of harassed my friends, got them to help me build a fixed gear. And man, from the, from the day I got a, uh, my, my first bike, which was a fixed gear, it was, it was love at first sight. And it was, it was like passion reborn for me. It was, it was the new skateboard. Uh, and I, I, I got plugged into the scene instantly. I did a whole bunch of alley cats and checkpoint races. This is back in 2009 before there was such a thing as fixed gear crits. I mean, they were out there, but they weren't in Arizona. So, you know, it just, it progressed from there. And within a month I had my eye on a road bike. Uh, that spring I started racing in the USA cycling crits, road races and stuff like that. And had a significant amount of success in a short amount of time. And it's, it's just been a massive snowball effect uh, from there. So you, you've said a lot right there, um, especially, but I want to go back to those early days when you were skateboarding. I mean, I, I, I mentioned this earlier, but being in my late 20s now, I definitely know what you're talking about when it comes to those joints and your knees hurting. I skateboarded a little bit um, back east, um, and we went to places like Woodward Skate Park, and I would try, and good thing there's no video footage of it because it was not pretty. Um, would you say you were a pretty good skateboarder at the time, like, or were you trying to fit into the scene? How would you rate you know, where you were amongst your peers. No, I was, uh, I was definitely pretty good. I was in like a few like local videos and stuff. I was, I wasn't definitely, I wasn't on like a national level or anything, but I had my own kind of style, which it's kind of funny because I used to get made fun of for what's called clown tricks. And I would just find unique ways to do different tricks. So 
Uh, this, what, the, what's a clown? What's a clown <laughs> trick? So do you out of curiosity? Do you, do you know like what a judo is? <laughs> yeah, I was wondering that too. So a judo is like it's like a nose grab, and you take you take like your your front foot off the board and like kick it out. I would do the opposite just for fun. I'd kick my back foot out, and it, I called it a dog pisser because it looked like you're you look like a dog <laughs> pissing. So just. <laughs> I'd kind of do like unique stuff like that just to like show my flavor, I guess. But, um, okay. Well, you're going to have to tell us where these videos live because now the listeners are curious to watch some old skateboarding videos and I am too. So oh, they're out if there. You get it- if you, uh, if you YouTube my name, I have, I think there's like one video out there of me. Okay. I know what I'm doing after this now. But, uh- All right. So, so, um, Scott, so tell us, like, so you're, um, you just get this fixed gear bike, like you were saying, and it's like this huge, like, epiphany, right? Um, just like skateboarding, and you're back into that gear, you know, oh my god, this is amazing, and and you're talking about like alley cat racing. So you weren't a bike messenger, right? No, not at all. Okay, I don't even know what one was. (laughs) But you're doing these, you're doing these alley cat races, and yeah, tell me, tell me about those first few years of getting into fixie, at least riding fixie. Well, so this was back in 2009 when the scene was quite frankly thriving in Arizona. <laughs> and when I say that, I mean you could you could actually meet girls by riding a fixed gear. It was pretty crazy. It was an awesome time in my life. Yeah. You probably still can, honestly. You can, but they kind of know like fixie dudes and the you know, what comes with that. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what comes with that? Wait, come on. Keep going with this. (laughs) The PBR. Some of them smoke cigarettes. I don't know. Okay. Okay. Hash. Hash is what I would describe it. Just like a, uh, a thrashy dude. Thrashy dude, not afraid to get there. Yeah. So, um, so alley cats, first of all, if you do a good alley cat, you're like, you want to keep doing them. It's, it's, it's like a, uh, it's like a drug. It's, um, you know, in Arizona, we had it was called the uh, Death Race. It happened every Halloween, and that's right around the time when I started riding bikes. So this scavenger hunt took you all the way around Tempe, which is where ASU is. Uh, you had to go to like a uh, like a cemetery, and they had like some dude waiting by a grave, and you had to get like a signature there. You had to go through this like underground drainage tunnel, which you could definitely die in. It's called the Death Tunnel and get your signature at the end, which was like a quarter mile run, like deep, <laughs> deep underground. Uh, it was just a load of fun. It was, it was all about fun. It was, you were partying, you would, you know, drink after. Uh, it was just kind of like another, another way to be a college kid, I guess. Uh, and I, I, you know, all the, all the people that did it, they, they did group rides also. They had road bikes. So that's kind of how I got into that as well. Just, it was, it was road biking but just on a fixed gear but who taught you about you know like how to stop on one and did you just figure this out yourself yeah i figured that out myself uh, <laughs> just by flipping over or <laughs> so i never had a, a fixed gear in my life I had, I had a mountain bike growing up i used to take it off sweet jumps nothing nothing crazy i probably rode 20 hours of mountain biking in my life up to that point <laughs> so uh um, yeah Fixed gear was was super super fresh to me, obviously, and uh, my first bike was obviously brakeless because that's what you do in the fixed gear world. That's what you're taught. It's it's crazy, yeah. Um, but no, I uh, I I, I just kind of taught myself. Uh, I was in the apartment complex and I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to skid. And I thought it was like, you know, like a single speed coaster on like a beach cruiser. Mm-hmm. It's not like that. 
Like, you know, you just say, <laughs> am I like just easing, easing the back pedal? No, it'll kick you straight off if you do. Oh, that. yeah, I know, man. I, I raced on the velodrome for a bunch of years, so I know how it works. Uh, not outside, though. Yeah. I think I rode it once from the parking lot to, uh, to the velodrome, and that was about as, as epic as I got. But, <laughs> and that's why, so like, so let's fast forward then, man. Like, t- so, so you're getting into the fixie scene, and, um, when did you start road racing then or and doing crits also or were you just like just doing alley cats until kind of the whole fixed gear crit racing scene uh, came about tell us a little about that progression so i got my i got my fixed gear in september and i got my road bike in october in the first usa cycling race that's what i call road racing usa cycling races it's just a natural habit from a unsanctioned fixed gear rider um that the first race was in January. So just a few months out and, uh, it was, it was a crit. I'd never seen a bike race really before, maybe like a commercial of it or something, but actually I won the race. Congrats. <laughs> like yeah. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, it was a, I, uh, a five race at the time, like yeah. a beginner race. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I won that race and people are like, dude, what the hell? Like, like how long have you been training? I was I was kind of like speechless because I all I did was like sprint right like I just I sat in because I didn't know what I was doing and I sprinted uh, and I didn't even like salute or like celebrate because I I didn't know that I could because <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you see it on TV then, right you're like those big yeah. boots and you're like can I do that without crashing after the finish line you've seen those videos yeah. Or... oh yeah those are the best um, and then I won I won the next race uh, I crashed in the third race. I won the race after that. And I think I won the race after that. And it was just, I like the momentum built every time I learned something new every time. And by the end of the season, I could name 10 pro cyclists, which was something everyone used to make fun of me about. Cause I didn't, I didn't know anything. <laughs> um, and I obviously, I think like at the end of the season, I watched like 10, 10 st- or uh, 10 seasons of the tour de France, 10 years of it. All like back to back. Pretty much, yeah. I was just obsessed, man. That's a little crazy, but uh, yeah. Those okay. So it sounds like you got into it. I mean, you had a lot of beginner's luck, right? You got in your first race, you won it. You crashed once or twice there, but then you kept winning. Were you doing this with a team? Were you doing this with friends all on your own? Like, what was the reason why you kept going back to the racing scene to keep wanting more? That's that's a good question. So, in about November, December, like during like kind of the approach of the winter break for college. I was, I was training with all my fixed gear friends and I think I mentioned a lot of them were roadies already. They were on a local team and they, they kept pressuring me to like consider bike racing, like, uh, you know, crits and stuff. And I was just like, no, I just, I want to like, I, I just want to ride my bike. And, um, they were, they were on a team called bicycle house, which is a big shop in Scottsdale. And they recruited me. They kind of forcefully recruited me and it was the best the best thing that ever happened to me because I just got hooked up into this world of super talented athletes. Bicycle House at the time was a really good team to be on. It was like kind of like a pre- prestigious move for me, I guess. Um, right. And, was that shop still around in that team? Yeah. 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 Cool. They're like a super high end boutique shop. But yeah, from there it was, uh, I, I learned a lot from the team and it seemed like I had like a, a team with me, but of course you're in cat fives, everyone's chasing everything. It's just constant chaos. So it wasn't until like the fours and threes where I started utilizing uh, teammates and stuff like that. 
Yeah. So talk about that progression, right? Cause you got, I don't know what it was at the time, but it sounds like you got four or five wins. So then you got your cat four upgrade. You then, were they doing four or five races uh, down there in Arizona or was it like three, four races yeah. or okay. So doing four or fives. So you already had that fitness building while you were cat five. Um, then you got to be a cat four and then you jumped into a cat three. Keep going from there. What happened when you were a cat three? So when I was a cat three, that's, it was the second year and I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this serious. Like I'm going to, I'm going to buy compression stockings from Walgreens. Um, I'm going to start taking multivitamins. Uh, and by the way, this whole time that I've been riding my bike, my knee pain stopped. Like my knee stopped popping out of socket. It was crazy. It was like instant. Yeah. Wow. So I, I, I started taking care of myself. Not that I wasn't uh, in the beginning, but I started really training, putting in, you know, 15, 10, 15 hour weeks. Uh, I was, I was at ASU at the time. I took this yoga Pilates class, which was like huge for like my development. It kind of just everything kind of fell in place as I kept investing in it. Yeah. It's an eye opener. Um, doing strength work, core work, you know, all that stuff. Uh, for, for many years, I neglected it myself and had lower back pain and crits and didn't understand what was going on. And finally, my fitter looked at me and said, dude, you're fit, but you got to do some core work. I said, oh, I knew I was missing something. <laughs> but man, you're, dude, you're strong though. Like you come out to the group prize and you just crush it. And I know it's going to be a hard day when you come out there. Um, but what I like, what I like about you, man, is that you're vocal. Like you'll talk to me, you'll be like, yo, you want to come with me? You want to get a break? You want to do this? And it's kind of exciting because most people are just robots out there and don't, don't really talk much, you know? Um, so that, that's kind of cool. Um, what I noticed also last year is that you were showing up to a group ride on a fixie, man. Crazy. First time in like eight years of living here, going to that group ride, did I see anyone ever come with a fixie? So did a lot of people give you shit for it or was it like, uh, they were actually pretty cool about it? Everyone was cool about it in, in Arizona. And so when I, when I came out to Colorado, I, I moved out here in 2013 and, um, super new to the scene. I didn't, I didn't know anyone out here. So anytime I took my fixed gear out on a group ride, I, as you saw, I have it set up with like hoods and I have a front and rear brake. I, I actually prefer to train with, with brakes on my fixed gear. Cause I like, I love drilling it down hills and you really, you can't do that without brakes. Uh, so I would, I would message whoever it was that was, that was holding the ride and, um, just get permission to ride a fixed gear on the ride. Gotcha. That's cool. Um, so, so when you came out here though, um, did you, you didn't start doing the group rides right away. I don't think, right. Was it a few years later or. Yeah. So I, I lived in, I lived in golden for the first two years and I was really kind of separated from, from like the scene. I was, I was concentrated on work. Uh, I was traveling a lot for fixed gear races and I wasn't really plugged in. It wasn't until 2015 ish that I, that I really started, um, meeting up and, and seeing like, so Arizona has huge group rides every weekend. There's massive group rides, uh, every, every day there's massive group rides and I wasn't finding them in Colorado and I just wasn't connected with the right people. Uh, and then I moved to, uh, to Littleton about two years ago. And that's when group rides really blew up for me because they're really popular in the, in the Littleton area. And I, I, I think that's just due to the fact that there's, there's more bike racers in that area, maybe. Uh, and, and just more surface area to to have like a bigger group rather than golden you know some of those roads are pretty narrow 
And you're going to be going up Lookout Mountain and Golden on a fixed gear and then down it, which I'm going to assume you've done once or twice. Would that be a fair bet? Uh, I've done it more than 100 times. <laughs> oh, wow. I guess you found it. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was looking at my Strava, This is, and this is like two years ago. Uh, yeah, I've, I've done that climb a fair bet on my fixed gear. The thing about like, so whatever bike you race on, you've really got to train on it. And like, so Arizona, it was way easier to train on a fixed gear. Colorado, not so much because <laughs> of all the climbing, but you know, that I just, I just used what I had in front of me, you know? So, um, what is the longest climb you've done on your fixed gear then either in Colorado or Arizona, because I'm going to assume it's in Colorado given what you just said. Yeah, I've done a, I've done Mount Evans three times on my fixed gear. Wow. <laughs> That's a, what was your average RPM? Like 40? <laughs> um, so Mount Evans of 14,000 foot. It's the, it's the highest paved road in the country. I did the easier side, the, the side from, from uh, Evergreen, which averages, I think, 6% or something. Yeah, my, my average was probably around 50, maybe in the 40s. That, I mean, um, regardless of whatever side you came from, that altitude and just once you get to Mount Evans, the stretch from the lake all the way up to the summit, that is – also the pavement's pretty rough too. Like that's, that's no easy deal. Um, the pavement's the worst part. Yeah. Because you're just trying to keep that strong, steady cadence while pushing up the hill and you have bumps. Um, I race single speed cycle cross for a little bit. Um, even then, it's just like just having momentum such a big deal. But um, what was the gearing you ran when you went up Mount Evans, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, 52.17. And then I'd use a uh, like a 15 or a 14 on the way down just to save my legs from spinning out. Right. And 52.17 was like my standard for the longest time. and Last year, I switched to a 49.18 as like my climbing ratio. And you mentioned, okay, I mean, that's, I'm glad to hear you change the gears. Otherwise, you'd just be spinning downhill and you're, you would really hurt your knees then, right? Go back to how you felt in your early 20s. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. When you did Mount Evans, was that more of a solo effort or would you do that with a group of riders? Because you mentioned the scene here in Colorado for the fixed gear, at least, was nothing really compared to what you saw in Arizona. Yeah, so there's, there's a scene of fixed gear riders out here there's probably at a given time probably 20 to 30 what i call fixie foos <laughs> um arizona's like fixie foos <laughs> what does that mean fixie foos is like i that's like what a roadie would call a, a fixed gear rider because you're you're like a fool for riding a, a fixed gear on a road <laughs> i take advantage i i i own my uh i own my worth i guess <laughs> All right. No, the, the first time I, I did it solo, I was, it was like the middle of su summer. I was like kind of hung over and I'm like, I, I don't want to go like ride lookout. Like maybe I'll just get in the car and drive to Evergreen and do my heavens. Didn't even look at weather. <laughs> Everything played out. It was crazy. Um, and the next time I did it, I had a teammate from Canada out here to train with me. Bless his heart. He hadn't done more than like, he was like a straight, like fast twitch sprinter, like teammate. So right. his workouts were like 45 minutes long on Zwift. Um, and I get him to do this massive four hour ride. I think his longest ride of the year at that point was like two hours coming from sea level. Let's do Mount Evans. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, and, uh, that's mean, but I, I did. It's mean. It's so mean. It, yeah. I mean, good job for doing that. But then speaking of mean, I, 
was added to a Facebook group a while ago called Sunday Strong. Does that ring a bell with you at all? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit more about the Sunday Strong scene. Have you ever participated in any of those races and maybe give an overview for the listeners for what that is? Because it's it's kind of unique to Denver, I want to say, or at least Colorado. For sure. Uh, so Sunday Strong is is a fixed gear group in the Denver area. Most of them live downtown. And they're just like super genuine riders that they ride fixed gear. A lot of them like swear to never touch like a geared bike in their life. Like they're they're dedicated. They're hardcore. Uh, so they do a lot of, they do a lot of, uh, you know, rides where they're climbing up, you know, they've done Mount Evans, they've done Lookout, they've done Deer Creek. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it's a, in the summer, they're pretty active. They do a lot of group rides. Uh, they host a crit every year for the most part. I've, I've taken part in those. They're really fun. They're really well put together. They're simple. Um, and I think they do some alley cats too, but I've kind of retired alley cats from, from my life. They're a little bit too crazy for me. <laughs> so those, those are too crazy, but you do fixed gear racing. Hmm. Right. Let me see here. All right. Yeah. yeah. I got to ask this cause I've been meaning to ask it, you know, for a while now. Um, tell me, tell me more about this fixed gear crit scene, man. Cause I've been a crit racer for like nine or 10 years and I don't, I don't know if I have the head for it, man. I mean, I think one day I'll try it. Hopefully I'll get permission from my wife, but, um, <laughs> let, go into this little man. T- tell me about first, how'd you get into it? You know, I know obviously it was kind of like, it was kind of obvious because you're, you're already into the fixed gear scene, but like, t- just give, give our listeners a rundown on, on what fixed gear racing is, is all about. So the easiest way to describe it is it's a, it's a cyclocross race. So as soon as the whistle blows, it's full gas. And when I say it's full gas, it's not like it's not like you get clipped in and see like what everyone's doing. It's you are sprinting. <laughs> you're, you're popping yourself in the first two to three laps to get your position. Uh, at least on like the bigger, the bigger races like uh, red hook mission crit Wolfpack hustle series uh, races like that. Um, other than that, they're usually very technical, which you might think on paper is, is dangerous, but it actually makes the races safer because it slows down the speed uh riders tend to give more room and it's it's just strategic in that sense so you've you've got to time your pedal to make sure you're not pedal striking you have to take the perfect line every time you know on a road bike in a race you can get super lazy and just take a crappy line right totally totally man on a figure if you do that it's a it's a it's a calculated mistake and a lot of times you'll end up in the barriers, like you, <laughs> like you see a lot in the YouTube videos. Yeah, you can't clip a pedal yeah. and and recover from it, right? So if you pedal strike, you can recover from it, but it's 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 not not good times for sure. So um, and then you got the whole qualifying thing. So t- tell me about how do you qualify for the race, and, and does that that puts you in a certain position, right? Yeah. So these races are blowing up, especially from like a international perspective. So a lot of races like Red Hook have they sell out instantly. So they'll sell out like 500 spots and they only let 75 people race. So you have to qualify to get into the race. And how they do it is they they put you in waves of like 20 or 30 people. And so it's different every year. They they always change it, but usually it's something like you um your time is it's it's like a time trial. So whatever time you rank up against everyone else is where they position you. So fastest lap that person gets to the front. 
slowest lap, that person gets to the back. Uh, but they have changed it up where they have like kind of mini races now. So rather than the timing, it's how you position and then they kind of put it all together if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, I want to know a little bit more though about like the flow of the race. So you watch a crit and you can see it's like single file kind of strung out until um, everyone has that like slow moment where, where the peloton kind of blows up, blows out right to the sides. But it's not the same with fixed gear. It, at least the ones I've, I've watched on online, it, it seems like it's always strung out the whole time. Am I right by saying that? Tell me a little bit more about like the flow of, a, of an actual race. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's full gas. It's, it's a uh, pedal to the metal from the first lap to the last lap. And um, you're always fighting wow. for position. If you're losing a spot, you're, uh, you're, you, there's a chance you're not going to get that spot back. So you've got to be on your game. The, Taking a flyer and red hook, there's like no such thing. Like you've got to be, like even if you even if you had that opportunity, you're gonna pop instantly. It's like you're just you're just on your threshold the full time. And have you raced red hook before? No. Yeah, I've so I've done red hook since uh, 2012. Oh wow. Okay. You've done because I know of red hook Brooklyn because you know close to the East Coast. Brooklyn baby, that's yeah. right. And I have friends that, you know, who still live there and they love going to it. Granted, it's always cold and rainy when they seem to go, but it's a party. Like Rockstar's the main sponsor of the video game, not the energy drink. But it seems like there's a ton of teams and there's a ton of people watching it. I mean, that was like, that was our target and it still is our targeted right, uh, race for, for my team, State Bicycle. Uh, and I've I've had the opportunity to do uh, London and uh, Barcelona as well. Wow! Yeah, I'm looking at the site now. Looks like they also have races in Milano as well. Uh, and is that on your bucket list to do? You know, maybe the the Europe ones are. I I don't do the the Brooklyn course anymore because it's too narrow. I was um, I was actually that guy in the video uh, where the motos motorcycle stalls and everyone crashes into him. Have you seen that? Yeah, I was gonna ask you that, man. That's so funny. I I can't. I think everybody who's knows about cycling or crits has seen that. You know, it's it's crazy. And do, so, tell us about that. Were you were you one of the guys that went down? Or yeah, it's funny because like people are like, "Have you ever been in a crash in like your bike races?" I'm like, "Yeah." If you YouTube bike crash, it's probably gonna be on the first page. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nutty crash, man. I mean, it is. It's it looks like do, the dominoes. I mean, it's worse than any crit crash I've ever seen online. You know. Yeah. So what happened is, uh, the race started. The motorcycle didn't go. The motorcycle is the the referee that sits at the front, or is actually the lap counter. So it, it had like a big LED panel on it. That's actually what I hit. Um, but he stalled on the course, and they they had the course the the riders go. Uh, and if you watch, like the the reaction time gets slower and slower as like riders pass it. Cause it's kind of in the dark. Uh, and then all of a sudden this, this guy clips the motorcycle. I don't see the motorcycle. I see a, I see a guy clip what I assume is a barriers and I see an open spot to the right. So I accelerate to that open spot. And before I know it, I've got 20 bikes on top of me and I'm screaming cause I have a, I have a chain ring in my back and I I'm thinking like I broke my back. It was, it was terrible. Oh yeah, I'm watching it. Watching it right. Oh my! Wow! Wow! Wheel cam. Oh. <laughs> James, you never saw this man. Where you been living under a rock, dude? <laughs> I, yeah, at least for the past. I mean, the 2006. I'm sorry, 2016, right? 
It was, yeah, it was 2016. Yeah, mine. And the onboard footage that's also on. Oh, man. I mean, we've all crashed, right? You mentioned you crashed in normal crits. Adam, I'm sure you've crashed. I've crashed. But this is... All the time, man. This is gnarly. My goodness. I'm, I'm, I'm in proud you're alive. So, wow. so yeah, what happened? Were you, were you seriously injured after or? No, I, uh, I just had like a, a, a kind of like a pulled muscle in my back. Cause a fix, like the, the chain ring, like kind of went under my, my shoulder and like kind of pushed out. And that was it. I mean, I, I had some, like, um, some friction, like, uh, friction wounds. I don't know what you'd call it. Just like, literally my long sleeve skin suit twisting and like causing like a burn on my skin. (laughs) Um, but that was it. Uh, I had like significant PTSD following it where like I'd wake up like just sweating and like freaking out. Uh, that happened for probably a good month. Yeah. That's, that's pretty rough. Um, has, has, have the organizers or directors of these races done anything so that this this situation doesn't happen again, or they're just like, oh, it's one of those free kind of um, anomalies, you know. So I love Red Hook. Like they they paved the path for what is, you know, fixed gear racing these days. Like they are the founding fathers of of this crazy sport we do. But I lost a lot of respect for them at that race because they didn't take ownership for it. They didn't apologize for it. Uh, they had lawyers talking for them, and it was like, it was oh like, wow, that's kind of messed yeah. up. So it's kind yeah. of like, dude, if like own up to it and we'll move on. Like no one was going to like sue them or anything. Like if, if you were a lawyer watching that, you'd be like, Holy crap, this is a moneymaker. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but obviously no one did that. Right. Right. Cause it's just a race and, and they expect so, things to happen. Racers expect things to happen. Yeah. yeah, man, totally. And it's the, the, the fixed gear world and even cycling world for that matter. Most of the people are super genuine. They're not, they're not going to do that to another homie, you know? Yeah, I probably watched more crits than I've actually competed in from coaching uh, athletes. And um, I've seen crazy things happen. Dog run out, knock someone over, um, like people on their cell phone not even noticing that a race is going on, walking across the course. I mean, just nutty things. And that, that's definitely something that, that's really odd for it to stall. Um, but obviously, when you are when you're, have no brakes, it's, it's a completely different story, you know? Um, <laughs> so listen, I don't want to rehash this. Um, yeah, obviously, it was a really, really rough thing for you. Um, Tell me about a race that you really like, though. Like, um, what what course yeah. have you done, or or is there a certain scene that you really like um, that you've been around for fixed gear racing? Uh, for fixed gear, there's so there's this race called Bone Machine in Portland, and it's uh, it literally could be a remote uh, remote control car race track because it's like it's like 750 meters long, has three hairpins, <laughs> like it's it is like the definition of like a circus race and uh, uh it's just a huge party after that's it, it's just like a uh, really creative course uh, that's probably like my my favorite my favorite race of the year but there's there's so many these days so fixation partners with intelligentsia they do a big series that is super fun to do cuz it's just a normal road bike crit course and you know, after after doing a lot of technical racing, it's it's kind of refreshing to just put on a massive like gear and just go full gas without having to worry about skid stopping, slowing down, and you know pedal striking and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, really, all all the fixed gear races I do are super fun. 
Are you so Scott? You keep mentioning we and your team, and you said state bicycle company. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so when you guys are play, go ahead. Yeah, tell us about the team. Yeah, so when I um, back in 2012, the second year of of Racing Road, there was this new company called State Bicycle. They were local, and they were trying to kind of get in on the fixed gear scene. That's that's what they did. They sold single speed bikes. They were dudes fresh out of college, just like I was uh, from ASU. They were looking to kind of expand and maybe get a team going. Uh, my friend joined them, and and I followed suit. And then we got Craig Strait, who's who's just a huge crit racer known in Arizona. And we we kind of dominated like the scene for a while. So like the Wolfpack Hustle series. Have you guys ever heard of that? I have not personally. Like no, I've not, but um... so crash race, it doesn't happen anymore. It, it used to happen uh, in conjunction with the or or lack of with the LA Marathon. And basically, the roads are closed for the LA Marathon. At like so, the roads for the marathon are closed at like three a.m. Right to prepare for the running race. So they would have just a, a road race, like an underground road race, and they had a fixed gear category, and there would be. Like the first year, a thousand people showed up. The second year, three thousand people showed up. The third year, five thousand people showed up. They had Red Bull helicopters filming it. They had specialized making commercials about their electronic bikes in it. Um, the reason I kind of bring that up is because that was like that was like the first big fixed gear like scene to happen, and State Bicycle was there. And so the team kind of came about slowly, kind of morphed. We did Red Hook that year. That was two thousand twelve. People were still, you know, warming up in jean shorts and stuff like that. But we were, we were like one of the first teams out there doing it. And I've had the pleasure of of being on that team pretty much from day one. And uh, actually took on the uh, a leadership role this year to be the team manager. And we've got a really talented group of athletes, um, ranging from you know we got we got men, we got women, we have some Canadians. Uh, everyone is in like a different state. Uh, We've got a, a grip of are there are there, so they're like team tactics and stuff though or is it just you guys just race together on the same team how, how does that work out yeah now there is. oh there is now okay tell us about like some tactics yeah, yeah. is it's the same as you would for for a, a local regular road crit or yeah it's it's pretty close I mean some of the uh, we do like um, uh, this this crit series in Los Angeles uh, it's a fixed gear crit series obviously. And we'll we'll make sure to like be in all the breaks. We'll make sure to to get as many of the premiums as we can, um, and just just always be at the front. But this year we've got some we've got some hard hitters. We have a. Do you guys know Chris Tolley? Rides with uh, elbows. Yeah, I do. Yeah, he's strong. He, he talks yeah. in in caps lock. He's he's got a super unique dude. We've got him on board. Talks in caps lock, really? <laughs> That's scary, man. Those people freak me out. You yeah, know? Man, he's, I love like I love the different personalities that I that I meet in this sport, and it's it's like embracing to find uh-huh. like these like just super unique dudes. He's one of them. Um, we have Cameron Bond on our team, who's who's another like uh, rock star in California Kurt racing. Um, but yeah, no, it's 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 just State Bicycle is is my family. I the owners are, are super genuine. They're, they're actually kind of like my best friends. Uh, so I, I find myself saying we quite a bit just because 
state bicycle is, is kind of who I am, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's okay. So you mentioned a lot about crits, right? So you have a lot of crits in LA and I know LA has some hills. Um, but generally I'm assuming you're not going up the hills when you're doing these races. Would you say it's a fair bet for the crits? Yeah. Yeah. So for the crits, uh, I don't, I think I've done like one or two crits with like a hill in it. And the downhill part is always like, they make it safe. Like they find like a, a good course for that. But fixed gear racing is, is much more than just crits. Like last year I did um, the uh, Red Bull hill climb in San Francisco. So you ride your fixed gear up like the steepest hill in San Francisco. Um, I did the, the hill climb world championships up Gibraltar and Santa Barbara. Uh, fixed gear category wow is there a lot of is there a lot of people in these categories because in my head i'm thinking of like fixed gear racing or at least this type of fixed gear racing more like tandem racing at nationals there's a handful of people that do it still really hard but yeah how many people are doing these races these uphill ones in particular so it's like a sub 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 genre at this point with like all the just being on a fixed gear doing things you definitely shouldn't be doing on a fixed gear but no, they're uh, most of them are sold out. So the Red Bull Hill Climb race, um, I'm probably guessing there's probably 100 riders. The uh, Hill Climb World Championships, I think we had 30, 35 riders, something like that. And are these just like average Joes doing these races, or are these professional riders, either you know World Tour Pro riders or professional riders among the fixed gear scene? At this point, like most of like the the teams have recruited professional riders to ride for their teams. Like that's pretty much what red hook is and most of the most of the other races have kind of followed suit with the same thing where you've just got this just massive talent of riders um yeah the the both of those hill hill climb races i did this year had um had pro athletes in it it's it's not uncommon to have like um like a uh justin williams or uh who's the who's the crazy crit racer redhead in a in Boulder, USA crit guy. It's not me. I don't live in Boulder. Not Connor. Texas Roadhouse. Texas Roadhouse guy. Yeah. Oh, the national champ guy. Jeez. Now, of course, I forget his name. Yeah. Um, I know who you're talking about, though. <laughs> I forgot his name. That's really bad. I should know that. Yeah. We, we all should know it because <laughs> we get our butts handed by him. Um, no, but it's, like I said, it's not uncommon for just these super high caliber riders to show up. And I think... I think that they like to do it too. Uh, it's kind of like a new fun approach for them. But I, I do think that they find themselves quite surprised how fast the, uh, the pace is. You know, you know, they, they just think that we're, most of us are just like recreational riders and that's definitely not the case. Most of the riders I compete with in fixed gear credits are cat ones. In fact, I'd say probably 80% of them are, which is super high caliber of riders. Jeez. And so when you're training for these crits and you're, I mean, where are you riding? Like, are you just going up in the mountains and riding on your own, riding with your buddies when you do this, riding with pro riders? I mean, how do you, how you said, you mentioned it earlier, right? In order for you to like be good at racing your bike, you have to train on it. Where are you training and who are you training with when you're on your fixed gear? I'm doing group rides on my fixie. <laughs> that's, that's the only way I could really articulate the kind of pain that you would do like in a fixed gear race. Uh, and that's why, that's why I, I train on a fixed gear on group rides. Cause I can't, I can't put myself to that kind of pain by myself. I, I can now cause I, 
this uh, this fall, I finally got a power meter for my fixed gear. Whoa, uh, big time. Yeah, big time. Uh, before that, it was super hard to gauge kind of my effort. So blowing myself up on a on a group ride was the closest thing I had. And I really no man. I've seen your gram though. You're you're starting to trend. You're right. You're riding up doing videos with pros, going up mountains on your fixie, right? I, who's yeah. that Trek guy you just did it with? Yeah, tell me about that. So we have a a fixed gears or a, a YouTube series rather with a state bicycle called Riding Fixed Up Mountains with Pros. And basically, we just we interview professional cyclists on um, on fixed gears riding up a hill. And it's the first one we did, Travis McCabe up Mount Lemon. The second one, I interviewed Phil Guyman in Malibu. Interesting. With him. Up, uh, he's a character. I think Stunt, Stunt Canyon. Oh, he's awesome, man. Uh, we did Floyd Landis and Dave Zbritsky in, in Las Vegas, uh, TJ Eisenhart in Zion. And then I just did, yeah, Tom Schoons in, uh, in Boulder up Ward. So. Those are super rewarding times. It's it's fun to get to know these dudes on like a personal level and and to share that with with kind of the the viewers to to not ask questions like what's your resting heart rate at eight o'clock at night or how many beats do you consume in a day. It's it's like Phil Guyman, why did you have a turtle for eighteen years and you have your mom taking care of it or like. Like Tom, do you really want to live a legacy where like you're known for potatoes, or do you do you want to be known as like a like a legit bike racer? You know that type of thing. Just giving people crap and and getting it back. How'd you come up with that idea? Because I mean, like you said, most people when they interview a professional, they're saying exactly those questions. But what you're doing, especially with fixed gears and kind of asking off the cuff questions, what made you think of that? And then how'd you get started? So the co-founder of State, Matty Farsi. I, I'm sorry. I'm gonna like plug state like ten thousand times in this podcast just because it's it's what like everything's founded off of what I do. But he he uh, <laughs> yeah, right yeah no he he came up with the idea. It, it first was we were we were like talking with Netflix or he was talking with Netflix about doing a, a bike series about riding up Strava KOMs like the biggest ones like Mount Evans or Pikes Peak or. Uh, Mount Lemon, that type of thing, and and like paying a pro to ride a fixed gear up it, uh, and it just kind of morphed into, hey, we know Travis McCabe. He's like homies with us. Let's maybe let's just do an interview with him up up a climb and and see how it goes, and and we did that. The feedback was incredible, and the thing I like about the series is that we don't have a script. We we just we just have a conversation, and that's that's really what. Um, that's one of the things I like about, you know, riding bikes in general is you, you meet a lot of cool people, you know, pro or not. And you, you get to kind of just, um, you know, on a long ride, you get to, you get to meet someone and kind of talk about their life. So you'll, we'll have like talking points and stuff like that. Like I'll Google, um, like I, I, I researched like what, what, uh, Latvia was known for. That's where Tom's is from. They're like the Latvia founded, uh, jeans they invented jeans they have the fastest internet speeds in the world none of, none of that stuff's gonna come fresh off my head <laughs> so add a little bit <laughs> it's such random good to know though next next time you put on a pair of jeans you're like i know where these came from yeah and that's the that's the backbone of the fixed gear society right there jean shorts <laughs> cut off jean shorts <laughs> exactly yeah. 
that's random information, man. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that series been a lot of fun. <laughs> Cut off the intro. That's right. Right. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Are we done? I don't know. I, I lost my train of thought there. Um, yeah. I mean, it, but it depends on the color of jeans. You can't just wear like blue jeans, right? They're black jeans typically, right? They're always frayed. Frayed at the bottom. Um, a little bit. I don't know if color is um, is so. Yeah, a lot of a lot of like the hipsters wear like the black it's it's black or blue most of the time i actually prefer beige, beige? i like beige jeans that's a thing yeah like like khaki or khaki <laughs> yeah if you want swamp ass <laughs> i mean seriously no way dude i sweat like a pig no way am i gonna wear khaki <laughs> yeah. uh, but like i mean the reason why i'm asking because clearly number one i don't have tan jeans um two i don't have cut off jeans <laughs> oh come on Scott. come three, on james you live I, in a uh, cap hill with the skinny jean clan bro <laughs> yeah i mean for the for the listeners that don't know where adam lives is in the suburbs i live in the cool part of denver in cap hill um and adam is pretty jealous about that but what i was getting to before was that if i wanted to get into fixed gear racing is it about making sure I have the right color jeans or is it about taking some classes? I mean, how, how do I start? Right. I mentioned the Facebook group earlier, but then again, um, how do you get into it? You gotta have a, you gotta have a fixed gear. You're going to get crap if you show up with brakes, but swallow that pride because you can do a lot more with brakes. I'm a big advocate for brakes. Uh, Brakeless has a time and place. It's on closed courses. In my opinion, it's highly debated. It's a touchy subject for a lot of people. Um, Jean shorts are, um, they, they kind of hurt riding bikes, especially fixed gears because you like spin your legs so fast. Like just, again, it's like one of those things you swallow your pride, buy some spandex and just, just deal with it, right? <laughs> the beat. I, learning. Yeah. There you go. So, okay. So just be the most comfortable you can be to like make sure you're having fun, right? So you don't have to ride piece to, okay. piece to track bars on the road, like super deep drops, get some risers, get something that's comfortable to you, get something that's going to work that makes you want to ride a bike, you know? Real real quick, I want to ask you though, what's so, your setup, man? What, tell us about your, your bike. You know, what's your cool stuff on there? Yeah. So I use, I use like I mimic the geometry or, or the fit on my road bike almost exactly. Uh, my handlebars are a little bit lower. I use... Um, Road drops, just like you would see on a road bike. Uh, single speed SRAM hoods with a front and rear brake. Uh, carbon wheels. I have the super old school Durace track crank because that's still that's still like the current one. Yeah, man. Or the current um, current model. What is it? The uh, Durace. Like what? What number is it? I, is I think it's just the track. There's like a special track number. Like I still have the Durace track silly. crank set on yeah. my my track bike that. Yeah, collecting dust in my garage, but you know. But what are they called? Like, what's the model number? I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know the. Te- I have no idea what it is. Yeah. Do you? Forty nine hundred. Do you know James? Probably. It, is, yeah. it it's up there with tan jeans. It's things I've. So I'll, I'll have to look it up later. Now that I'm thinking about it, I actually I do like tan jeans, and I don't I, I don't think I have a pair right now. I don't know even know where to buy tan jeans. So. <laughs> oh man. I got homework tonight. That. <laughs> I give you, I'll give you a Rafa discount code, James. You'll get, you'll get a pair there. All right. Wow, Rafa tan <laughs> jeans from Latvia. I that's get a state bicycle, and I'm doing crit races. Yeah, man, you're set. That's that's you, got, you already got the mustache going too, right? So 
Uh, yeah, that, I'll shave the beard soon, so it's just the mustache. Maybe if I twirled up at the sides, but we're stereotyping a little bit with the fixed gear scene. I know Scott, you embrace yeah. it a little bit, so thank you. But uh, I embrace all of it. That's, that's what no, it's, it's cool yeah. stuff, man. Especially the fixed gear racing. I, I'm. It's it's a crazy world. It's like it's just it's almost as crazy as people as much as people make fun of me about or give me stuff about racing on Zwift and online and stuff. It's it's a nutty world. Um. And, and it's a small scene, but it's getting bigger, and, and I could see it to keep growing, you know. Um, hey, yeah. You know, I view, I view like, Zwift racing the same as I view fixed gear racing, where you've you've got, like, this niche of people that that just love what they're doing. And I'm sure, like, on Zwift, you're, you've got, like, a, a good grip. Like, you've got a team and everything, but you've, like, you know a lot of the people you're racing against. It's kind of the same people every time, right? Like, on the higher level? Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Like the Zwift scene, it's a top 50 riders. I mean, some of them don't speak the same language as you, but you always see them at all the big, big races online, you know? So, yeah. 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 So it's, it's super relatable to that. It's just, uh, again, it's like a sub sub genre. That's pretty cool. Um, listen, man, appreciate you coming on, talking about your life and, uh, your life with Fixie and all that. It's pretty, pretty sweet stuff. And, and then crushing me on the group rides, you know, um, <laughs> not looking forward to it. Actually, I think hopefully the, the roads will be clear soon so I can get out there in the fresh air and get smoked by you and Tom Danielson. But, um, yeah, anyway, <laughs> where, where, can, uh, where can more people find out about you and, and all the cool stuff that you're doing and, and your YouTube channel as well? Yeah. Uh, so the YouTube channel is just uh, State Bicycle Company. You can just search Riding Fixed Up Mountains with Pros and you'll find we've got seven or eight episodes of that right now. But um, Find me on Instagram at Scott underscore Pierceafelde. Yeah, that's probably the best place to find me. That's where I post most of my social stuff. And uh, if you're looking to get into fixed gear racing, if you're looking to get into road biking, uh, I, I love like helping people out, uh, kind of helping them get situated and, and figure out kind of what they want to do because we've all been there. And, and I, was, I was definitely in that situation for the first two years of, of riding bikes. And I, I embraced kind of the... Uh, the research and studying aspect of like figuring it out myself. But there were, there were a few times where I was like, man, I wish someone would have told me like, you know, the, the specific kind of uh, like road bike shoes to buy or pedals to buy, you know, do it right the first time type thing. So totally, man. Yeah. Like, dude, I, my first real, my first crit prospect park in Brooklyn, I showed up with in the middle of like February, I showed up with shorts and a long sleeve shirt and gloves. My mom gave me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so and I got dropped after like a lap and a half and just sat in my car freezing. So, you know, yeah, man, we've all been there. That's that's really cool, though, that um, you're willing to talk to people out there. And yeah, I, I think that's a good thing to say is like, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. You know, I think that no matter what community is in cycling, uh, we're, we're here to help each other and, and get more people on bikes and racing and just having fun, you know. Amen, brother. Oh, yeah. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time coming on. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Scott. Yeah, thank you guys very much. All right, everyone, that'll do it for this edition of the Echelon Podcast. As always, you can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Facebook. Questions or comments about the show, get in touch at theechelonpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for tuning in, and until next time.